Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us while we dive into Scripture to dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as we journey through His Word. forgot to write in the group chat, but I think it was the last episode or maybe the episode before that, Max forgot to add the um, the pre-recorded like welcome or greeting to the he episode. Did? He did mm-hmm. because I was listening and I thought my phone glitched out or something because it kept playing the same song, but way longer than you. Because usually it plays the tune for like a couple seconds and then like the pre-recorded audio clip comes in. Yeah, yeah. But this time it was like 20 seconds of just the music. And I'm like, what is going on? Like I whipped out my phone and I was seeing if it like something was wrong. And then we just start talking. And I'm like, that's weird though. There's no intro. And without the intro, it's weird when you just Dude, come in. That beat gets stuck in my head. And I walk around all day and it's like. Okay, he's still recovering from his honeymoon. Okay. Honeymoon. Give him some slack. He's been back for like a month. Okay, man, we are almost done with Ephesians, guys. Five. We still Wait. Got chapter oh my, six. We have another chapter. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Look how excited he got. Sir, you said let's finish Ephesians in the group chat today. Five. <laughs> I think we can do six too. Man, that's hey. Wow. You should know there's six chapters. We need to Ephesians. take a break after this, guys. I mean, six, chapter six is about kids and parents, the armor of God. <laughs> like the the if anything about Ephesians, the armor five, of God. Five and six are the ones that people know the most about. If Mark's here for those episodes, each piece of the armor is going to take an episode. Mm. So it might happen. (laughs) Just make sure he's not on. Anyways, then I guess we're finishing chapter (laughs) five today. Um, And one of the the, the topic of this last portion of chapter five is going to be centered around marriage, around a wife and a husband. And before we get into the passage, I wanted us to just kind of talk on topic um, kind of as a cold open, but also something that maybe gets us warmed up on this topic as well. I wanted to ask you, so we've talked about this a lot. We've, I remember asking you guys, like, what are some lessons you've learned? What are some good things you've like learned through marriage? What are some bad things that have kind of happened in marriage? Like we've, we've talked about this topic a lot. My question for you, because a lot of what we're going to read today is the relationship between Christ and the church and a husband and a wife. But what I want to ask you guys is how does your marriage, how does your relationship with your wife affect your relationship with your church? Or does it affect it? Does it encourage it? Does it hold it back at times? Have you guys experienced being held back or being encouraged? Obviously, don't expose anyone here or anything like that. But it's because it's no longer you making that decision. And that's something that like even for myself, you know, for someone who hasn't even been married two years, that's something that I had to learn kind of as getting into being a married man, being in my youth, I never, I was never home. I was constantly doing church stuff. I was anywhere, any, anytime, does not matter, no matter the distance, no matter the price, anything, like I'll be there. The second you get married, that's not an option. Like you got a wife at home, <laughs> like you got stuff, you know, you got someone else to kind of think about. So how has marriage impacted your relationship to your church or just the church in general, or even just your ministry? In church, I'll start out. Um, so I went through the several stages of this. Uh, in short, both my wife and I come from very active families. So my wife is a pastor's kid. Uh, so she was very involved in her church back in Erie because they have a small church, like 100, 120 members. 
Um, so her family was involved in a lot of ministries. Um, she herself was involved in a lot with like kids stuff, Sunday school, camps, orchestra, choirs, music, you know, helping her dad with sermon prep and a whole bunch, just a lot of things. Um, I myself was involved in a lot of things church before we got married. Um, you know, back the church that I used to go to, I was in Awana, Sunday school, youth stuff, orchestra. Yes, I was in orchestra <laughs> band. The flute? Um, clarinet. Uh, Sundays must have been a really relaxing day for you. It was compared to the rest of the week, actually. <laughs> really? Um, I think right now, at least last year, for the last nine years, Sunday was actually the most hectic for me. But um, the day that of has, rest. once I stopped Sunday school, that has changed. <laughs> but um, really, it's 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 been stages. So when I before I got married, I was very extroverted. And what I mean by that is that if I had a choice to either go out and hang out with friends or do social things, I would choose to stay home. Now, if I started to do social so things- So you were introverted. I was introverted. Okay, you said oh, extroverted. Okay, I just was, making sure. Sorry, let me clarify. Yes, extroverted. Before I got married, that was my preferred choice. I would go out and hang okay. out uh-huh. rather than stay home. Once I got married, that flipped. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to stay home. But like when my <laughs> wife like pulled me out of the house and we actually hung out with friends, I never regretted it. Like it's easy for me to- have conversations, start conversations with people, but that's not my preferred preferred mm-hmm. thing. And so about living with my wife, she's also very social butterfly, always talking, always getting involved in things, loves meeting new people and hanging out and stuff like that. In terms of ministry, it, it was like on and off. Some part times I was very involved, sometimes I was more work focused, uh, other times I was involved again, other times I was more school focused. So there's kind of like this on and off part my wife pushed me to do a lot of things. My wife is the one that pushed me to step into youth ministry. She was in it before I was, um, actually, in our in the youth committee. She was in it before I was. So imagine how did, that. How did you become youth leader if she has more experience? <laughs> <laughs> well, who's really the youth leader? <laughs> He's um, the front man. <laughs> but I would say that, you know, my wife, She's she is involved with all the youth stuff that we do, even though we have kids and um, you know, she tries to be involved as much as she can because she understands that it's not just a me thing being the youth leader. It's her as well. It's her, her, She's part of the ministry just as much as I am. Um, I might be a little bit more involved but uh, or maybe a little bit more accountability, but she still has a lot of influence on, you know, girls from our youth, even guys as well, because they look at her as well, not just me. And that happens with any youth leader, especially if they're married. Um, pastors, same way. People don't just look at the pastor. They look at their wife, their spouse as well and see how what she's doing, how she's involved, uh, how she's supporting him, the church and all that stuff. So it, um, she's given me a lot of great advice. I've seen, I've asked her for advice. I've really seen God answering through her to my prayers, to my questions or concerns. And so there's definitely an influence or a change in ministry of, you know, being married. Because like you said, you have that other person that you have to consider now mm-hmm. too. So yeah, definitely a change for the better, of course. Alex, lad. Alex, you got something? Oh, I always got something. <laughs> Very interesting question, Mark. I've, <laughs> I've never heard a question like that. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if... If, if in all honesty, we take and we compare, let's say, our love for our spouse to the love to our church, um, I think there is, there is a lot of 
similarities in things that happen. Um, you will spend a lot of time with your church. If you really love it, you will be very invested in it. You'll be doing all kinds of things. Obviously, if you love your wife a lot, you'll be spending a lot of time with her. You'll be caring for her. You'll be invested in her things, and her things become your things, just like a church. In, in a church, everything going on, it affects you somehow. And in, in anything that you can help, you help. Uh, but I also think that <clears throat> there's negatives, right? There's things that we might do that make our spouse mad at us, annoyed with us, vice versa. Mm -hmm. I think a church always has stuff going on that we may not disagree, we may not agree with. Um, not every choice a church makes will be like, yeah, you know, perfect. This is exactly what I was talking about. There's a lot of things church that church does that you really just have to be like, well, you know, I disagree, but as long as it doesn't, you know, get in the way of the faith, doesn't get in the way of Christ, doesn't get in the way of Scripture, um, you can roll with it even though you disagree with it. And a nice thing about church is um, a lot of things aren't forced, right? So if, if you don't agree with something, you just simply don't participate in it. As long as you voice, obviously, you talk to your pastor and you tell him how you feel. Yeah, uh, as long as you don't cause divisions. Because exactly, yeah. And so uh, there's things that my spouse does that I disagree with. Um, what? <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I will give up my love never leaves my love never leaves it and just like to a church um, there's different churches I was a part of there's a lot of things I started disliking disagreeing with not even started it was like a you know it's been around but it started affecting me more and more but that doesn't mean I dropped my love for the church mm -hmm. completely I still went I still participated in the ministries I still did the best I could um, and so you don't give up on your church is what I'm going to say. Uh, just like you don't give up on your spouse. You know, work through it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Unless the theology is off, that's a different situation. <laughs> Looking at a church. But we I feel like I it. jumped into quite a conversation. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Yeah. Hey, hey Mark is here. <laughs> so, Mark. We're finishing Ephesians today, by the way. Well, don't throw Mark under the bus. You got to go first. <laughs> Wait, Mark. Mark, Mark, while you're here. Well, let me know if, if <laughs> there's a the question, question. I want to know what it I was going to say, Mark, yeah, can yeah. you repeat your question? Um, I don't even know how to, like, I don't know how to phrase it. If what it, uh, The topic we're talking about today is uh, the relationship between a husband and a wife and also the relationship between Christ and the church. So how, as like a cold open, just to kind of get us in this topic, how has your relationship with your wife affected your relationship with the church? How has it impacted it? Is it has it been good? Has it been bad? Has it vice been versa, both sometimes? Too, you yeah. know, like or or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. How has the church impacted your relationship? Because it is so much a part of both of your lives. Because as believers, both of you should be hungry to be involved. You don't have Can to I answer right it already? <laughs> I feel like I answered it wrong from my part. Can I redo? I'm well, just seven I'm more just minutes. Kidding. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Mark. You initially said that. Husband with the wife is the same thing as Christ in the church, and so but not then, the same thing. Just it's that's what that's what. Yeah, we'll read it. We'll about. read it in Ephesians <laughs> five. But then the question all of a sudden becomes your relationship with the church, and I think that contrast is not right. It should be your relationship with Christ because you're the church. You're not Christ. I think he's referring to church little. Stuff. I'm talking yeah. about yeah, yeah, the physical like gathering your of local people. Church. Sounds like you need to think about your answer, Vlad. <laughs> I just don't find the parallel. 
Yeah, kind of. I'm kind of going along the lines of what Mark just said. Um, but when I got married, it changed my perspective where I was the pastor of my home. And so it took priority. So I was very involved in the church. And then when I got married, I knew my role has changed. And I wouldn't neglect my family just to go serve, you know, when my family mm-hmm. needed me at home. So once you start having kids, you start having less and less time you know, to devote yourself to the church activities. And God brings other people to fill that void, I feel like. But I feel like me personally, my first role as a husband is to be there for my family, and that's what the Bible calls. If those who don't care for their own are worse, what does it say, worse than an unbeliever. You know, so I feel that is the role, and that should be priority. If you neglect your family just to serve, I don't think God looks... um, well on that that's a very interesting point i think i'm i'm happy just going along with what you said vlad i'm happy that earlier on before i even got married that this truth got pounded into me that even the requirement of a pastor or an elder or someone who's actually serving in the church even deacons there has to be they have to be um overseers of their own house first so the priority lies in in your own house and then the church. And then so if I'm not making sure uh, regarding the spiritual life of my wife, but also I'm not loving her, but yet I'm serving in church, that's my priorities are incorrect. That's why I asked this question, though, because your relationship with your spouse, whether it's, you know, you're the wife listening and you're thinking about your husband, you're the husband listening, thinking about your wife, your relationship with your spouse is so integral to the way you perform your ministries at church. Mm-hmm. And and that's why it is so important to consider what are the what 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 are the effects of my marriage right now? Like on my on my activity in the church. Is is my marriage life falling apart and yet I'm preaching behind a pulpit? Am I going to band practice every Tuesday or Thursday? But I am having fights with my my family at home every every other night, you know, because it is it is so important for both of these portions of your life to be working in sync because it is so important for a husband and a wife to be able to work so well together because it does affect their church life. It does correlate into that side of their life. Of course, talking on a grand scheme, Christ is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate thing that we do strive for. But we are on this earth and we are called to be members of a church, little, little C church. Like we're, we're called to be members of our community, people, part of a gathering. And yes, your relationship with your spouse affects that. And I think it's important to consider that whether you are already married or if you're looking to get married, that is a very, I would say that I, I think we've talked about this already that like, it's important to consider, will my spouse encourage me to do more for Christ or is my spouse going to, for lack of a better term, drag me down. That's a good conversation to have before you get married. That yeah. is. It's a very important one to have because because a lot of it a lot of it happens even if you don't want it to happen when you get married. Like you said, Vlad, you were very active, but you got married and you became less active at church. But I wouldn't say that was a bad thing because you did it for the right reasons and you understood that I have a new role. God gave me this role to to be a, a pastor of my family. You know, Serge got married. Alina pushed him to become a youth leader. 
you know, both are equally right because at the end of the Go day, <laughs> because at the end of the day, the ultimate goal was to praise Christ. Um, I like what you kind of pointed there, but I think it doesn't only tie in with the husband and spouse uh, dynamic, but also with your parents, if you're not married, um, with your siblings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Cause I noticed myself when I, like every, every Russian, you know, you get piled on with service and you're never home. So it's like you come back from school and it's like you do homework for a little bit and then, oh, I have choir practice. Oh, I have Bible study. Oh, I have this. And then when you have like two or three choir practices mixed in with different types of stuff, you're never home. Um, and so what I would find myself doing is I had a very poor relationship with my uh, family, with my especially with my mom um and she would tell me to do something and i'd like it's like hypocrisy because i'd say oh i'm going to i can't i'm going to um bible study um and then pharisees did exactly um and i caught myself at that point and all my choir directors are thinking i'm crazy i'm like i'm i I have to pick one choir practice because I was a member of like three different choirs and I was like, I'm going to have to cancel this other one or in this other one. Like, why? I was like, because my family comes first. They're like, what are you talking about? God comes first. And I was like, yeah, but you know, if I'm trying to serve God, but I'm being disrespectful to my mom, I'm not listening to her. I'm not being obedient. And at times I could be even angry and say things out of spite. I'm not doing God's will, you know, You're and not so, being faithful in the little things. And God requires... Which are the you, most important. Which are the most important. They're the foundation on which God... Can, if you can't fulfill the basics, how can God build on that foundation? How can he use you when you can't just fulfill the basics? Well, and the basics ones like you already touched is about submission, which we're definitely going to get into today. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 5. Vlad, if you can read for us, uh, 22 to the end. Uh, that's the part we're going to be talking about today. All right, so chapter 5, we talked about walking in love, filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always, and last, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then we jump into 22. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that in re it, it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." All right, it's a lot of material, a lot of things we can talk about here. Pretty much every single verse, if not half of a verse, is you know a sermon on its own. But we're going to try to tackle this in the next 40 minutes. <laughs> so. I think we can all agree um, 
probably all of us at this table have at least a mostly of an understanding and actually an experience of this. Um, I don't think you have to be married 20, 30 years in order to fully comprehend uh, how to love um, your wife and how your wife loves you. And I think the key is if you can unlock how and understand how Christ loves the church, it'll be a lot easier for you to understand how you're supposed to love your wife or vice versa, husband or wife loves the husband, right? So I think like we're all probably 10 years and over getting close Nine oh, years. Nine years today. Yeah, we're eight years. Yeah, gonna be ten in August. <clears throat> me and Mark. Yeah. So not that um, we're married, but Mark, you don't count. You're like two weeks. You're a baby. Um, <laughs> Zillion. <laughs> are you less than Max? <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> You're going hey, on two years, aren't you? I taught Max everything he knows. <laughs> Max, <laughs> you're invited to next week's podcast. Um, one thing I just wanted to say before we get into this wonderful passages is. Man, how much I wish I like really opened my mind to this when when we just got married. Um, I will say I've have I've heard this. I've heard Ephesians five twenty two. I've heard it so many times. I've heard so many sermons on it. I've heard so many uh, people kind of open it up and like you know give it to you on a plate. Like here, if you understand this, your marriage will be you know you will be fulfilled. You'll be complete. And I never fully understood it. Um, but I think the reason, and I go back to my original point, the reason I never understood it is because I truly didn't understand um, how Christ is the head of the church and how he loves his church. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter how much experience you have, if you don't get that first, it'll be very hard for you to understand this. Would you guys agree? Open table discussion? I don't know. Yeah, I think for the most part. <clears throat> I think the bigger issue is that this passage is usually preached and read with the intended audience being married people. And I think the At proper intended uh, intended audience should be teenagers. Mm. I think this should this is something that should be taught to people before they get married, before it becomes a matter of like we're on the brink of I divorce. I think the idea in the past, of course, it still applies to people it married, should be, being married. It should be it preached. should be yeah. it should be preached to younger because the truth the, is I you think, don't. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let me finish my thought because the truth is you don't need to be married <clears throat> to learn. And understand what this means. I think exactly. looking at mom and dad is also an example that you should be able to look at mom and dad and see Christ in them. But I just would like Mark said, I would that family is just you, as important. I I grew up where this was not evident to me. It wasn't. Nobody like I I and I'm not talking about just my family. I'm just talking about I've seen a lot of families where yeah, the two people are married, they have children, they have families. But there was very little that I saw the actual love. But then again, I'm not living with them, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, I'm sure there's many things that I, I wasn't aware of. But just in my family that I was around, I didn't see this. You didn't see good examples <laughs> of this being lived out? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And the reason being is because I, the, the idea is not just husbands and wives here. The idea is Christ loving the church. Well, that's, that's, the, that's right? the main idea. Main idea. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, but that's what we need to understand first. And I, I, anyways, that's... Can we work backwards on this one? No. Well, I just want to like read verse 32 and kind of maybe have everyone else kind of think about verse 32 while we go through verses 22 through 31, 33. Yeah. Summary. Yep. Because he says, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. And he keeps making this comparison between the Christ and the church Christ in the church and then the husband and the wife. Yeah. 
um, there's something there. And he says, this mystery is profound. So he, he's even saying that it's a mystery and he's not even going to go into full details on the mystery, but he's saying that it refers to Christ in the church. And that's talking about the relationship between the husband and the wife. So that's yeah. just something for us to keep in mind while we're going through this. Is the mystery the relationship between Christ and the church or between the husband and the wife? Where's the mystery, are you saying? Both. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I think that's what he's talking about here. The leaving and also the becoming of one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And it's to the point where theologians say that um, the union that God made in the Garden of Eden, that was supposed to be a representation or a foreshadowing of what Christ and the church is supposed to be between the husband and the wife. And I think this is what Paul is saying in, in Ephesians, and it's a deep mystery, and we are not going to be able to uh, get all the details out of it, but it's something that we should strive to even resemble our relationship mm-hmm. and our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord, as to the Lord, Amen. For, yeah, you can't start. Wrap it up there. <laughs> end it right there. For the husband. Wait till verse 25, Mark. Were, were, you, were be, you saying I meant to the own? beat you up right there. <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. So we see verse 22. It seems like it's it's a straightforward command, right? Relatively not complex, wives submit to your own husbands, right? As to the Lord. So a lot of things we hear, and I guess you guys can say either agree or disagree. A lot of times the way we hear it interpreted is that the wife should submit uh, out of respect to the husband as if she's submitting to God himself, to the word of God. That's, of course, taken into consideration, especially the fact that if this is a truly spiritual man of God, meaning like a a Christian that lives according to God's will. Do you think there's an important, I think there is, but why he says your own husbands? Because you are one flesh. Because you're bound to your husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just wondering, husbands, me, all of us have different viewpoints and different opinions on certain things, on how we should do certain things Mm -hmm. and how things are done. And it's not, my wife should not be looking at Serge and be like, but Serge lets Alina do this. Why can't I do this? And she's I can't go around commanding your wife. He's not your own husband. (laughs) Um, And that's why this and this. And I'm not saying like I'm... I have certain rules set in place that my wife has to listen to. And I I don't think that's what this is necessarily even fully talking about. And Um, this is such a controversial point. I think this is very contested in the church. When taken out of context, it's controversial. Especially with um, Mormons a lot because they see the plural form form of this. Mm -hmm. And to them, that's like an affirmation that it's okay to to have polygamy. To those who are unsaved, this does not make sense. It's just like, why would I submit to my husband? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm more educated than him, or I know more than him in this area. Why should I submit to him? It's not just the, it's it's, not just the non-believers. This is believers who that, don't well, understand yeah, this either. Yeah, it's, and it's not it's just visible in unbelievers, but it's also in the church. Mm-hmm. That's huge too. And it's you know, not and just, there's a lot of mis. It's not just whether you know education or that I'm smarter than him or he doesn't have enough experience or money. 
it's right now, especially in the time that we live in, it's all about independence. Quality. It's all about me. It's all about yeah. feminism. It's all about, you know, what can I get out of this relationship by using my husband as a, um, a medium to achieve my personal goals and instead of me around. personally investing into our relationship when we to see, better both of us. Yeah, when we see submission here, it's we have to understand it is not uh, submission here is out of the willingness and the love from the wife. It is not something commanded or not something that we are demanding as a husband, right? If we focus just on the wife right now, uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. If If she submits to the Lord, she will submit to her husband out of love and out of her own willingness. It is not something that I'm going to sit down at a table and be like, all right, honey, we're married. Let me get something straight real quick because that that is me that is me pushing and commanding something. So why, why does Paul say this to wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord? Why does he go on to say this? And then even go on in verse 24 to say in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, we can freely cover that. So... Serge, going along with your question, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. So um, the husband is the head of the wife, and then what's above the husband, right? Christ is the head of the church. And so, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. So because the husband takes uh, a role of responsibility, the overseer, the protector of his family, of his um, children, of his wife, and we are um, standing in front of Christ as husbands. We're subject to Christ. So um, the wife falls um, under the husband. That's how, how I see it. So we are introduced to this idea of headship, right? Yes, hierarchy. Um, yeah, hierarchy, structure, call it what you want. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess just in biblical sense, we'll just call it headship for now. So we have the headship to the wife is the husband, mm-hmm. and the head to the husband is Christ, right? Um, the, head, the head to the wife is also Christ. Yes. Just yes. the head to the church is Christ. Um, yeah, but Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says that the head of every man yeah, is Christ. Yeah, exactly. Of course, con- taking into consideration the church. Uh, you know, we're not disqualifying that. But why is there this structure? Why, why do you guys think this headship was implemented? I think it's because of the role of the husband and because of the role of the wife. I kind of brought it up. Sort of. Was it um, always there? My um, question like, was it always there? Well, if we go back to Genesis, who did God question first? Okay. That's where I was going. Yeah, there's <laughs> we going. see that. But among among that, there's there's many other things that uh because because the Bible tells us this is how this is how the order goes, um, we have to just fall into that and understand. And uh Genesis has a big part in it. Um, I don't know how much we want to dive into that, Serge. I mean, you're open to I, bring it up. I do want to just... Does I, Genesis have a big part? I think it does think have so. a big part um, because that's where the ruling comes out of is because of the fall. But uh, uh, Paul also, like I mentioned in 1 Corinthians, he, chapter 11, he talks about headship and authority. And there's a part of that that he also references back to Genesis in that passage talking about how woman was formed out of man, that she was made for man. And he's referencing that back to Genesis because in Genesis we read that she was created as a helper. That doesn't mean that her value is any less. That's not what it means. But she was created to serve a specific purpose. Um, and especially after the fall in chapter 3, like you guys said, when you said that when God was confronting them for their sin, 
he'd asked the snake first, then he asked Adam first. Um, uh, well, he, he asked Adam, he asked Eve, and then he rebuked the snake, the serpent first, the devil. Then he rebuked the husband, and then he rebuked the wife. Right, And he said that he will rule over you. So the headship or authority was introduced there, um, kind of in creation and then pretty much finalized at and the then, fall. And then the woman got affected too. She got affected, childbearing, childbearing and sickness yep. and her desire for her husband. But the final ruling was established there, I think, in Genesis 3. What do you guys think? I know Mark probably has more to say about that. <laughs> no, I think it's settled. I think we can make a connection, yeah. but I think um, I think initially, like you said, from the beginning, it was so. Yeah, mm-hmm. from the beginning, even he said, um, a husband shall leave his father and mother in mm-hmm. order so that he could become one flesh. Yep. Um, that's the reason, and that's how it was made from the very beginning. Um, and even Christ spoke to this when he was talking about divorce um, and the law that Moses gave. Um, I know that's kind of a separate topic, but I think one thing here that Paul is pointing out is this mystery, um, the relationship between husband and wife and Christ in the church, it's profound. And it's been there, I think, from the very beginning. The, the intent was to show that because we know God planned everything um, in advance. So, yeah. Everything on earth is to reflect what was what's in heaven, right? It's to reflect God. Of course, we've, it's been corrupted through sin, but ultimately the design was to reflect everything that God is. He is in all creation and same thing. Going back to submission, we see that between Christ and God himself, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane when Christ was praying, the high priestly prayer, right? He says, let your will be done, not mine. Although God technically gave him full control, but he still submitted to God out of love, out of exactly. admiration, <clears throat> not just to the Father, but because of the church as well, right? Yeah. He died for the church. And, you know, it's up. he's trying to reflect that love between how much he loved the church that he's willing to submit to his Father, even unto death. And I think we're supposed to kind of that love, that standard of love, which is like Mark, like you said, and how... Paul writes it is so profound and mysterious, right? Like the relationship between a spouse, a husband and his wife, it's only like a fraction, a mirrored fraction of that that can somehow maybe try to replicate that. Well, let's read it. Let's read 25 then because you already started touching on it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I have a question before we jump ahead. <laughs> Talk about 24 yet. <laughs> what do you, you started talking about 25. Verse They're 20. all tied. Go ahead, Mark. Verse 22. Um, as to the Lord, what does that necessarily mean? I know we kind of hit on it. Um, like, to what degree? And then the question then becomes is like, in what is the wife supposed to be submissive to in everything? And what is everything? And how how is the church submissive to Christ, and why is the church submissive to Christ? So to answer your question, we're going to go to 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. That's kind of saying if if you have love for Christ, mm-hmm. you will submit to mm-hmm. your own husband. Okay. So it's like it's the same thing here. It's the parallel. Through all the ups and downs, I think mm-hmm. you have to always remember 
both a, a marriage is a union of two sinners. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not, mm-hmm. it is a perfect union that God makes. And God, if God blesses it, if you, if you are both, if you both love Christ, if you both um, are saved and you get married, you're blessed by Christ, but you're still two sinners. I was going to bring up the example of First Peter chapter three, where he talks about wives submitting to their husbands, even if he is an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Or an or ungodly because it brings up that specific example mm-hmm. where she is still should submit to him that through her good deeds through her submission he can come to Christ. Obviously easier said than obviously done. easier said than yeah. done. But of course there's still boundaries that sh- she should not fall into sin just because he says so. Like for example, if he says you know like go rob this bank. I don't think, you know, she ought to be submitted to that extent, yeah. right? But, you know, like if he, and that's, you know, this is a very kind of like touchy case by case, intricate Yeah, because you can, subject. you can find the most extreme example yeah. and be like, okay, well, what about this? Like you if know, he, so if he really forbids hard. you to go to choir, like skipping choir, you can't really say that's a sin, but, you know, you have to like still act it with wisdom. As well, why? That's well, where you well, submit hold on, hold on. What comes first it's christ it's reverence for christ so right she cannot break the law of god and where does he, christ say you have to sing in the choir yeah exactly well that's what i mean that if he forbids it's not get you, choir into this yeah i'm just it could be anything you know whatever but i'm just saying just because not going to church for example because your husband doesn't allow you to i don't i don't think that would be considered a specific you know like in and itself sin right but because we all skip church for the wife shall not give up on her husband yeah. no matter what happens because she's not given up on the lord yeah if she I, gives up on her husband she is now um not serving as to the lord as it says what does it mean to submit and how should one submit i think you brought an interesting point in first peter let me read it real quickly uh, first peter 3 likewise likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct verse 4 but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is god's sight which in god's sight is very precious and so I think it's not bickering, not fighting back. That's what kind of submission he's talking about. And But he's not saying to submit in absolutely everything. If your husband is telling you to sin, that's going contradictory to God's word. And yeah. so if it goes against God and if it goes against Christ, you should not do it. Um, but at the same time, you shouldn't be th- that person who's like, uh, no, every time your husband asks you to do something or, you know, in submission to certain things, you fight and bicker and complain the whole time and then finally you do it at the end. That's not, especially that's what Peter brings up here is that's not how you win your husband's heart. Right. Um. So, yeah, I think that answers the question pretty good. It doesn't it stop at the wife. There's so. a lot more we can say about that. But Here's, this is where you get beat up, Mark. Verse 25. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that she might, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Do you love your wife as yourself, Mark? <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm not going to say no. He, has, he hesitated. <laughs> this is being recorded, Vlad. I mean, this is a tall order. Oh, yeah. You know, I will be completely honest. Like, 
Um, I think the structure is perfect, but the, like you said, we're two sinners. The execution isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. We're always stumbling and always um, aiming to meet that standard that God leaves. But like this is just like, and you and, have no excuse. And it really hits home to the husbands because obviously uh, men and women, their brains work a little different when it comes to pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, as as guys, anytime guys hang out, married guys, you'll, you'll stumble upon conversations where, you know, you know, we, we get into these things like, oh, my wife says, you know, I don't listen to her or things like that. And it's just like, there's a lot of similarities because we're two sinners. But if we, if we actually try to understand here, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. If, if you try to understand this, you will attempt to have the love to where you will die for your wife. You will, if, if it comes down to it, you will say, I'll, I'll go, you stay. Like Christ did. Yes. Church. And so that's the sacrificial love, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, sacrificial love, also beginning in chapter 5, um, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And actually, you'd have to keep reading to fully understand the, the, the full idea here, but um, it, it doesn't come easy. It definitely doesn't come easy. So as a husband, you need to understand she she is not only the other half of you, she is all of you. She is just as you are to yourself. So um, I was listening to a, a sermon by MacArthur, and he was talking about if you brush your teeth in the morning, if you go without brushing your teeth, it, it, basically it's the same thing. Like you brush your teeth, you, you ought to urge just your wife, same thing. Like brush your teeth too, you know? It, it, that relationship has to be the same. If you brush your teeth, you have to be ready to pretty much brush your wife's teeth too because you guys are one. And if you stop caring for yourself, you stop showering, you stop brushing your teeth, you stop you know, wearing decent clothing, you start to degrade. Your, your, your body starts to degrade, obviously. You don't take care of it. Uh, but same with the wife. You have to always have this uh, care for her just as you care for yourself yeah. when it comes to everything. Every but since your body is not your own and if you don't care for yourself, like... That means you don't love your wife. Is that the key that people in the world are missing? My wife always tells me to brush my teeth, actually. <laughs> it's always backwards. It's because we tell your wife to tell you that. <laughs> well, this is a little late in the night, but it's kind of weird. <laughs> Marina, the podcasts are getting unbearable. <laughs> Vlad, what was your, before I rudely interrupted you? Um, is this the key that the world is missing? I like, think the key it, that the world is missing is Christ. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, like, if you... The world doesn't understand that structure, like, where it says, husbands, love your wives as yourself. Like, if... The world doesn't understand that. If you're not a godly man, you won't fulfill this. Like, you can't have a controlling husband. Like, the controlling husband is impossible if they actually fulfill this. Mm-hmm. If they treat their wives as themselves, you'll never have a controlling husband that just commands the woman to do everything that he says. And he never listens to her, her opinion. He never puts her first. That marriage is, it's dis, there's disbalance here. That Maybe that's why the world is always, um, when they hear this, they're like, no, this doesn't make sense. Why should I submit to my husband? He does this, this, and that. Because they're not seeing that this is actually... A metaphor, 
or uh, what did you call it the other analogy analogy to like the way Christ loves the church um Timothy Keller has a really good book about this subject matter about submission and doing things to better your relationship together as a whole sacrifice it's called the meaning of marriage and I recently read it it's got a lot of good stuff specifically around this passage around first Corinthians um, first Corinthians 11 and also first Peter 3 and Genesis obviously of course and talks about all these relationship type things how the world views uh, relationships nowadays just living together outside of marriage during marriage separate accounts separate this contracts the wow like he goes into all that detail and you are absolutely right like the world is missing these things because they don't have christ and if that is the foundation to everything we already said that but i like how paul goes on here to say that christ sacrificed himself gave himself up for the church not just for her physical well-being but he emphasizes to sanctify her so yes. that she will be without blemish or spot to wash her by the word. It's it's a spiritual connection here. It's not just just because just to have a church, but there's actual a spiritual sanctification going for a spiritual well-being that he's talking about. I okay. think to get this full idea, you have to read 27 as well. So let's read 26, 27, and this is a topic that we can focus on because it has everything to do with 25. Hold up, hold up, because we spent a decent chunk of this podcast talking about what the woman's role is. And we kind of glanced over the men's side of things, even though I think that is the more important side. I don't think, I don't think we're glancing over. over. I think uh, we're versus we're, yeah. 28. Well, it really just it seems home. like we're kind of redirecting it to church. I think the, the responsibility or the call of the husband is greater, a greater burden than that of the wife to be submissive. Um, but, but why? Because we established first, that the wife has to love her husband, love Christ, and submit to her husband. We established that the husband has to love his wife and love Christ. If I was going to play woman's advocate here, I'd be like, okay, so it's the same thing. But why are we, why do we have that extra step? Why we, we you, you guys all keep saying that like the, the guy's side is, whoa, like it's way grander. It's so much more. But in not on a spiritual sense, but like on a, on a day-to-day sense, what is required of the husband more so than the wife? Why is it on a day-to-day basis that it is the husband who needs to be the the driving force of the marriage? Do you get what I'm saying? Because yes. we, can, we can redirect it to, oh, but Christ loved the church. But no, no, no. Well, So what is the, why, how does the husband play that out? There's more stuff about the husband in verse 28. If we don't redirect it to Christ in the church, we miss the entire picture. That's the whole point. He is the ultimate example for us that we're supposed to look exactly like him in every regard to, towards our love towards our wives. I get what you're saying. It's the responsibility, the role, like we re- read here, to present her. You know, we have the response as husbands, you have a responsibility for your wife and your family before God. He will ask you. Here, here's why. Family. Here's why the husband's role is like is a little bit. A little bit, I'd say, very difficult but mind-blowing at the same time. I get what you're saying, too, but here's here's why. So verse 26 and 27, Serge touched on this, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's what Christ does to the church. Continuing, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Here's where the hammer hits the nail, right? And and you're like, wow, that's the responsibility I have. You, just as Christ 
has the responsibility or, or that he sanctifies and cleanses the church by, by the word, we should be worried and, and concerned and sanctifying and cleansing our wife as well. We're responsible for that, that she might be without blemish. So any urge, any temptness, any, any f- sin that the wife falls into, ultimately you're responsible mm-hmm. to Christ for that. So you have to, just like Christ is sanctifying washing the church with by the word, you have to also consider and think about your wife, and you have to strive to bring the word to her and uh, ultimately, Christ will sanctify and cleanse both of you know not only her but both of you. But you ha- you are held at the responsibility for that. Can I read something? Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say, people. This is one of the passages where people um, give evidence for the fact that the husband is the ultimate responsibility for the spiritual well-being of his family. So this this passage and there's other passages we can cross-reference that this weight ultimately falls on him, mm-hmm. not her. Um, so, and the wife will sometimes even test you by bringing in certain things from the world, not in a mischievous, evil way, but maybe, maybe even unknowingly or just to question you, see your opinion, how you're going to react. And depending on what you allow or not allow, it's going to determine how that's going to shape your family. So there's a responsibility. I know a lot of people, we hear this phrase that the husband is the priest of his family, which is not biblically accurate. You will not find a passage that says that that the husband is the priest of his family or a pastor. Prove it. <laughs> find me the verse. You read, won't find read it. Read me the whole Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won't find it. But there is a sense of responsibility, and we see that even back in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Adam yeah. was responsible. So that's that's where that's where the difficulty comes in, is because you've been responsible for a lot of your own stuff. Now it's not just you. You're responsible for your wife, right, as well. And you, you now... You answer to Christ, and both of you answer to Christ, and so you have to think about the sanctifying and the cleansing. Well, well it's not just no, sorry. you do yours. <laughs> it's not just our responsibility to Christ. It's our love towards our wives should be the same as Christ's is to us. There's a key point. I think there's an analogy that Paul brings up here, which Christ began in the Garden of Geth- oh, no, in at the uh, Last Supper where he started talking about take, eat, this is my body, this is my flesh. So when this analogy about Christ and the church being his body um, and that he cares for his own body, um, verse 23, Christ is the head of the church, his body. So the church is his body and is himself its savior. Um, verse 25, gave himself up for her. Verse 28, we just read, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. I don't think the word bodies being used there is just a coincidence. He's pointing the same exact way, saying that you should love her just as your own body because that's exactly what Christ did. He calls the church his body. And then so one thing for me that really stands out is we read this beautiful absolutely amazing way that Paul opens up Ephesians um, in the first three chapters, and he talks about the work of Christ. And so I think at this point, we just have to kind of look back and see what is Christ's actual work um, towards us as uh, sinners at the beginning, but then as saints in him and as the church. Verse 7 in chapter 1, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a 
plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, lavishing us with grace. Everything that Christ did was for our sake, and that's what love is. It's not doing things for your own selfish ambitions. It's doing it for the purpose or for the other person's sake, not for your own. That's why we submit to Christ. How can we submit to Christ if we think that he's doing something just because he's selfish? That's that's not who Christ is. He does absolutely everything for our um, enjoyment. He does everything for everything for the best of our will. I'm not saying like our will is in our own desires, but for us in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is so that we may be perfect. Everything is for us. So that's that's how we can trust him. That's how we can submit to him and everything. Because there are times when um, we come across certain things and we're like, Christ, we'd, I don't understand why this is happening, but I submit to your will because I trust you. That's that's the sort of relationship that the husband is supposed to have with the wife. If the husband is this kind of loving husband, it's much easier for a wife to submit. You know what I mean? That's the relationship the husband should have and the mindset he should have with his wife, not demanding things, hey, that's because I want it, but thinking this would be best for her. Yeah. This would be best for my family. That's the whole point, I think, that Christ or Paul is pointing to here. Well, then a question for you guys. Do you guys submit to Christ because you have to? Or at this point in your life, is it because you want to? Want to. It's because we want to. Because when you know who Christ is, you know that although we have to, yeah, we do. And everyone will at one point. Like one day, everything will burn and everyone will realize. Every knee will bow. Yeah, everyone will realize who Jesus Christ is, whether they have accepted him or not, or whether they made the right decisions on this earth or not. But when you get to know Christ, you realize it's not, it's not about being submissive. Like you don't, it, it, you don't think of it as submission. You think of it as I desire to be this way. I desire to, to look up to you and to respect you and to love you and to listen to you. And that is the same, like you're saying, Mark, I'm just going along with you. Like that is, that is the relation that a wife should have to her husband. And that is the kind of example the husband should set. And calling out to all the men out there, including us, including me, in order to be that person. How can you make your wife, how can you teach her or, or, or grow her to be spotless and without a blemish if you yourself do not know what it means to be spotless? How can you inspire that sort of Christ-like purity if you yourself do not study God's word on a daily basis, if you yourself are not growing in him on a daily basis, how are you to be that example? Why, why would she submit to you if you are not submitting to the Lord? This is, it's something that it, it truly does fall on the husband's shoulders on a day-to-day -day basis to wake up and be a living, breathing example of, of the love that Christ has for his church. Again, that sucks. It's hard, you know, it, it's hard for us to do it. We're sinners, but it is something that there should be that, that noticeable desire and hunger from a, from a husband. And if you're, if you're not married and you're listening to this thinking, man, this is 10 years down the road for me, who cares? Like I'll figure it out. I'm going to have some fun right now. Trust me. It's better for you to start earlier rather than later. Yeah. It's better for you to start being that person, start being that kind of man who can be that perfect husband again, even though you won't be perfect, but you strive towards the perfection of Christ. Like you said, Vlad, that this is part of your foundation. 
right? Mm -hmm. Christ and establishing these standards of love for Christ first, for the church, uh, you know, as you would for your, your wife and everything. If you don't have these standards down right now, before you're married or early in your stages of marriage, like you said, 10 years down the road, when you think, okay, now it's time for me to actually start mm -hmm. putting this into action. Well, back then you've already established a foundation of fun and everything else living for yourself that you're going to have to break that. And that's going to come with pain and suffering. <clears throat> and Christ is, you know, Paul's warning us here, like to try to avoid that. Do this as soon as you can. Like we brought this question up, right? We touched on this, like what was the intended age or intended audience for this passage? And I think it's everyone. I don't mm -hmm. think it's a specific age. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a specific audience. This is obviously for everyone from young, you know, young teens that are striving to get married to people in their 60s, 70s that have been married for maybe 50, 60 years that have just come from the world, right? This, I think this passage is intended for everyone. Um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say on that. Um, I guess we can move forward. Uh, we down with verse 28. Kind of. I think there's some more that we can probably talk about. Um, just wanted to maybe think about how Christ um, asks us to be submissive to him. Is it done with a heavy hand? Is it done with enforcement? I don't think that's the case. You know what I mean? He, he asks us to do it, and it's up to us to submit. We, we love him because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. It's that's, evident in the way he came to this earth. You know, He didn't come on a stallion ready to just take over the planet. He came in a humble manner because it was never about forcing us into submission, even though he could have, even though he had every right to do that because this is his, this is his creation. We are his, but he, he, like you said, he wanted us to make that choice. Mark, you brought up bodies <clears throat> and I want to, I want to get into 28 and 29 and um, 30 because talking about bodies. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Um, and so when when we were kind of earlier talking about this, <clears throat> and you guys made awesome points, um, but when we were earlier talking about loving your wife, right, as their own bodies, he who loves his he who loves his wife loves himself. Everybody loves themselves to an extent. Uh, you you care for yourself. You Maybe you get much. up. You wash your face. You get you make sure you try to get sleep. Um, you make sure your clothing is uh, is where where you want it. Right. There's so many things that you do for yourself, but you have to do the same the same exact thing, if not more, for your wife, um, because she has to be not you then her. It has to be you and her. It has to be her. She she has to be in your priority. Um, how you have to give up your own body yes. in order so that <clears throat> she could be. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to say um, sanctified. Yeah. And, well, and, not just sanctified, but I think just in general, um, from a physical standpoint too. If I'm uncomfortable, I go sit down in a comfortable chair. Yeah. I reposition myself. I make myself comfortable. The most selfish, you just have to imagine the most selfish person, all they care about is themselves. That's how you have to care about your wife in, such a, in, in the same way. Do things that you think would be best for her and pleasing for her. Obviously doing things without her consent 
that's not pleasing to her, I found out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, buying presents is always nice without her consent. But and, and 29 I'm says, doing this for our family. <laughs> this boss I want to know. <laughs> for, for, it says, for no one ever hated his own flesh. It, when you, when you think about this. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when you think about this to, to make it sense to you, I think this is what really opens up and, and makes sense to me. Is like, Yeah, it's true. You don't hate your own flesh. You nourish it. You give it food. You give it water. You take care of it. If you're uncomfortable, you try to get comfortable. Um, you take care of your own flesh. Now your wife is your flesh. And, But the most important point, just as the Lord does the church. And so we kind of fall back to that again, right? We have to have that, that parallel understanding of what the Christ and the church is and what he does for the church. And so... We see here that he nourishes, cherishes it, sanctifies it, cleanses his church, and he has that love for his church. And so we ought to have the same love um, because 30 says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones, Christ's. Just wanted to say that we cannot sanctify, we cannot cleanse. Um, yeah. Our our main objective is to point to Christ because mm -hmm. he's yeah. the only one that does that. So how we do that with our wives is to bring them to Christ, to bring them to the gospel message. Always have the word. Talk about that. That's how you do it. Um, and not necessarily try to do it out of my own will. Be like, okay, she's spending too much time on Instagram. I'm going to take away her phone privileges. Like treating some guys treat their uh, wives like, you know, little children. <laughs> Yep, I agree. Yeah, and um, in 30, and, and Mark, it's cool that you, you brought up 32 in the beginning of all this because it's, it's cool to make that, connect, that connection. For this reason, um, uh, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. If you are one flesh, if you are joined together, um, you will nourish and cherish just like you do your own flesh. You will take care of your wife and you will love her. And that is not a demanding love. That is not a forceful uh, love. That is a love that you are doing because you want to do it as much as possible. I think uh, the key words that we keep crossing over here, um, first of all, is love, right? Uh, I think second, we started with verse 21 out of reverence and ending Chapter five says out of respect, mm -hmm. right? They all kind of go hand in hand in this to create this perfect standard of love for our spouses as Christ did for the church. But And then he's just like, this is a great mystery. <laughs> so he, he's doing all this teaching and he's like, then again, then again, I don't really know what I'm talking about. You know, like this is pretty complicated, guys. Which I don't think that's what it means. I'm just yeah. messing around. Like it's, it's funny how there's still so much we don't understand fully. Like we, we really don't understand. I, I, I would say I think he's more referring to the relationship of Christ yeah. and the church yep. here. But I would say the same is true even between a, a husband and a spouse. I think I don't think that's what he's talking about. But I would say the same thing that like we don't. I don't think we fully even understand what Christ does between a man and a woman when they are in union together with his blessing. Like, I think there's something going on that is a little more than just physical that combines us and, and makes us that one flesh. And I think that's why he uses this as like the example of Christ in the church, because there's so much we don't understand. And husband and a wife is like such a 
such a small way to explain the grandness of how much Christ loves and cherishes his church. Mm-hmm. I think this paragraph nukes the uh, love languages theory. <laughs> you really going to touch into that right now? Or we, we're at <laughs> an really hour and three minutes, dude. <laughs> yeah. We're you know, supposed to do a separate episode on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which we will. Um, I think... I Come think, back. Um, Come back next. It, it, it really does because the kind of love and affection and that the scripture teaches, just Ephesians 5 alone, um, you see that... There's so many parallels. connection to Christ. I feel like there's so many parallels between the relationship and the oneness husband and wife, that when they're united, there's love and there's unity. And it kind of relates to the Christ in the church. When the church is not one with Christ, where it's not under submission under Christ, it can't function. You know, a marriage can't function when the husband has his goals and the wife has her goals and they're not united. Kind of like what you were saying, separate bank accounts, separate lives, separate, everything's separate. A marriage can't have that unity, can't have that one. And I think these parallels are very apparent in the church too, where we are under submission with Christ and we follow his leading where he is going. And what it, like we are servants of Christ and we're supposed to be under submission of him. And I think there's a lot of parallels that we can take this so many different directions, yeah. but it's just like... I think here profound. the point too is... Wives can't look at verses 25 through 32 and be like, this is the kind of husband you're supposed to be. If you're not this kind of husband, I'm not supposed to submit. We kind of cover that in even First Peter 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Serge, for bringing that up. Um, but at the same time, husbands shouldn't be like, hey, if you don't submit, how else am I supposed to be loving towards you? We look at Christ's ultimate example. He loved us before we even loved him. Mm-hmm. And so he, we're supposed to be pouring out this love, not expecting anything in return, doing everything for our spouse. And the wife is supposed to be submissive to the husband regardless. Well, yeah, unless it goes against contradictory to the Bible. Yeah. yeah. And even if it, they do make a mistake... Christ doesn't give up on the church. You know, we, the church, we make mistakes all the time. And, you know, we as husbands or spouses, we're not immune to that either in our marriages, in our family life. You know, we as parents, as husbands, as wives, I'm sure we all make mistakes. Always. Always, either every day, if not every other day. Um, And uh, just like Christ never gives up on the church, right? He always tries to bring her back, um, even on an individual basis. He will try to bring that person back to righteousness. Um, And he's patient. He's enduring. He does it with love. Um, It might be painful at times, uncomfortable, but he does it out of love. Um, And I think we as husbands or even as wives, we should always in our conduct, in our words, try to do the same thing to our spouse that if we see them mess up, um, you know, first and foremost, evaluate yourself and with wisdom and with prayer, Try to bring that person back to Christ, to righteousness. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So why does it say respect? Why does it say love your husband? (laughs) Submitting submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence is also respect. So here... Christ commands, love your wives. 
Mm-hmm. For the wives, he says, respect your husband. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. Correct. But yet we are also called to love Christ. I don't so think you can really have one without the other. Yeah. I think they go hand in hand. Um, who's who's read the book Love and Respect by Dr. Eckridge? Nope. No? I haven't. Well, what he... he Cliff notes me. <laughs> yeah. So the premise of the book is like um, the natural overflow of a woman is love. You know, she gives love. She loves to cherish. She takes care of the kids. Love just outflows naturally from a woman. A man, he is... Um, Naturally respecting. No, he's he's driven toward respect. That's why you see men going out to war, not out of love. It's out of respect for the for the men beside them, for the respect of their country. They Stupid they go. Men. They they can they they can lay down their lives for respect, right? So what he was saying, the author was saying that, um, the the man is it's not natural for man to give love, love in quotations, and it's not natural for a woman to give respect. But this is why he commands it here. So if a husband does not give his wife love, she returns that with disrespect. When he is treated with disrespect, he acts out with unlovingly. And it's like a circle that happens. And it's like a marriage book. It's it's I've read it and I thought it was I thought it was very helpful. Um I love how Christ Christ is put into this. Yeah, I'm happy Christ didn't do all that out of respect. Out of love. Yeah. He he won the battle or the war out of love, not out of respect. No, what I'm saying is there are two different two different perspectives. He already, already punched a hole in that logic. Does Christ what? respect the church? <clears throat> Christ did not do it for respect. It's both love. Love and respect is the same thing. He but he didn't do it for respect. No. Exactly. So what are you saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't hear that way. He's saying he doesn't. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. Amen. That's it, guys. <laughs> like I don't know. Don't add anything to it. Just do it. Um, we're already at one ten, so I'm gonna keep this wrap up pretty short. But I, to be cliche, but to do it anyways, I think the ultimate message is, of course, us as individuals submitting to Christ. Whether you're a husband listening to this, whether you're a wife listening to this, whether you're 14 and you the last thing on your mind is getting married. Or you're 14 and you're about to get a girlfriend. <laughs> or, or yeah, or maybe you're in the middle of, of, of dating. <laughs> Until you and, understand this. And that's something you're thinking about. It doesn't matter. We it does not do matter. We should do one on dating. At the end of the day, didn't we do one? No, we did on uh, pre-marriage. Mm. We should do en- Engaged kind of mm-hmm. stage. What do you do on a dating? But regardless, regardless of where you are in your life, the most important thing is to center it around Christ. I know that's the cliche, and I know that's something that we've all heard the truth. a million times, but it is the truth. And as far as relationships do go, even if you have a perfect relationship, I promise you Christ will make it better. And if you are, if you have your divorce attorney on speed dial, I guarantee you the solution is Christ. Regardless of where you are in your relationship, whether you're dating for a week or married for 10 years, does not matter. Christ will improve that relationship. Can I, he cor- is, can I correct you? Sure, go for it. It can't be perfect without Christ. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like your idea of perfection, even if you think this relationship doesn't need anything else, I guarantee you it will actually get better with Christ in the mix. Amen. If, if both sides 
are looking towards Christ. If one side does not look towards Christ, the relationship could end. Um, so it's not like a, I don't want to put like a false hope, you know, out there, but that's, that's the case where if one side does not cherish Christ and also does not want you to continue to love Christ, there comes an impasse where you have to make a choice. Do not be unequally yoked. And that's why, like I keep saying, the most important thing is your personal relationship with Christ because whatever decisions you make in your life, whatever decisions you make with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife, with mom and dad, whatever decisions you make, they should go through the lens of I am a son or daughter of Christ. And I, I guarantee you, even if in the moment it doesn't seem like it's the most easy choice, if you do it, with the intention of glorifying and truly praising Christ, I promise you that whatever decision you make will be the right decision because at the end of the day, it brings him glory and not yourself. Amen. Amen. Mark, can you pray? Sure. Father, I'm thankful for your love for us. I'm thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus, I'm thankful for your amazing love and that you pour it out lavishly upon us. Thank you for you being the ultimate example for me and for all of us. Help us to love our wives just as you love us. I know that's quite a high call, but that is what you also ask of us. So just ask for strength, for love, for patience, for wisdom, and as well for all everyone listening out there whether they be a wife or a husband or even just a child for them to come to you to love you and just to look at your example and what you're calling them to do for them to complete it and fulfill it fully in jesus name amen amen Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to reach your heart so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.